0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. we started a new series last week called Presence. It's our, our word that we believe God has given us for 2020, stirring up a hunger for his presence in our hearts. And last week, if you're here, I I talked about stepping into, as of tomorrow, a season. Of 21 days of prayer and fasting you know if there is if there is any indicator of our dependence on the power and the presence of god and our hunger for the presence of god in our lives it is our commitment to prayer and fasting i really believe god is calling us to step in as a church to 21 days of prayer and fasting and i know I've had conversations with you in the last week that a whole bunch of you are panicking about that. You go, is that even possible? What are you talking about? You know, what do you mean uh, by that? Well, I I hope that uh, today I can unpack that a little bit, but I hope more importantly that God will speak to us and that God will give us wisdom to know how to step in to this season and that God will stir up a hunger in us uh, for his presence. And we might walk out today just believing, believing that God is going to bring blessing and breakthrough as we as a community and all our campuses together pray and fast together. Let me just give a quick definition to fasting first. Fasting simply is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. As Christians, we're not the only people that fast, but if I can just uh, maybe put it a little bit more into uh, our language, it's refraining from the pleasure of food to actually enjoy the very presence of God. Refraining from the pleasure of food to enjoy the very presence, presence and pleasure of God come on put your hand up if you love food come on hands up if you love food half of you do half of you are lying but you know we all you know love food if, if there's any food that you could eat right now what would you choose prawn steak chocolate cake ice cream tim tams you know we've all got our favorites if you could choose you know any food right now you know we've got our our favorite food that we would choose because food brings us joy you know we celebrate together with food because it brings us joy we make cakes to celebrate birthdays we go out to restaurants we enjoy you know to celebrate anniversaries food Brings us joy. I mean, who's ever been to a party with no food? I mean, who's ever been to a party where the only food is, is carrot and celery sticks? I mean, that's not a party, that's purgatory. You know, we, we we celebrate with food and food that we enjoy because food brings us joy and food brings us comfort. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands here, but I know that it's true when you're feeling lonely, stressed, tired. You know, who's just kind of reached into the cupboard just for one Tim Tam, but it wasn't quite enough and you ended up eating the whole row? You know, who's ever just in a moment of, uh, of loneliness kind of dipped in with a spoon into the freezer to get a little scoop of ice cream and ended up eating the whole tub? You know, it's not enough. It's never enough. Food does give us temporary comfort, but we kind of need more and more food. You know, food is a gift. From God. Food is a reward. You know, I will ask for a show of hands. There's a bunch of parents in the room. You know, as parents, here in the room who has turned around from the front seat of the car and said to their restless kids as they're fighting and squabbling and crying in the back seat if you'll just be good if you'll just be quiet or even in darker moments if you'll just shut up for 30 minutes I'll give you McDonald's for dinner before we get home come on who said that to their kids who said that to their husband you know Food is a reward. Food brings us joy. Food brings us comfort. Food is a reward. Food is a gift from God that strengthens our bodies. We need food to fuel our bodies. And what an incredible reward it is to all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, onions, pickles, something or other, on a sesame seed barn. I mean, what an incredible reward. It's a slightly smaller reward than what it used to be, I'm sure. But it's a reward. I mean, I had to buy this last night because you can't buy them, you know, before 10 or 11 o'clock during the day. It's been sitting cold, you know, on my bench and on my desk for, for the last 12 hours. But it's still tempting me. It's an incredible reward. Gift from God to strengthen our bodies. You know, if you eat just one of these as a reward it gives you enough strength and fuel in your body to run for 45 minutes. Then if you get the whole meal deal and you get a large fries, there's another 40 minutes of running. And then if you make the bad, unhealthy choice of getting Super Coke rather than Coke Zero, there is another 40 minutes of running. Just in this little meal here alone, is the fuel and the strength that you need to run a half marathon. (laughs) So if you buy this on the way home, you need to run a half marathon before the sun goes down tonight. You know, it's never quite enough though, is it? Even when all of that strength and fuel gets put into our body. There has been many times where I've polished all that off and just decided to go back for one more happy meal. (laughs) Just a few more chippies and a little burger and just eat the toy. It's as nutritious as anything else. (laughs) It doesn't matter how much strength we put into our bodies. It's never kind of enough. You see, the culture of convenient food that we live in means that we fill our bodies with more energy than what we actually need because it's never enough joy and comfort to satisfy the longings of our soul. This culture of convenience of food, we fill our bodies with far more strength and energy than what we need because it will never be enough comfort and joy to fulfil the longings of our soul you see food is a reward it does bring temporary comfort and joy and eating is a routine that gives strength to our bodies and so fasting then is an intentional disruption to our routine of eating and can I say however you might step in to this 21 days of prayer and fasting fasting is supposed to be an interruption to our normal routine. It will be for me. You know, I, I, I really love exercise. I, I love running, I love lifting weights. I will do one of those things nearly every day of the week and then I'll reward myself with far too much food for the energy that I've just uh, expanded. But when I'm fasting, I've barely got the energy to walk around the block. It, it makes you weak. Now, fasting is an intentional disruption to our normal routine of eating. We need to eat, we need to put strength in our bodies. But fasting is an intentional disruption to come before God in a time of absolute weakness and humility and desperation and say, God, you are my comfort, you are my joy, you are my reward. And you are enough. That's what fasting is all about. And right throughout history, we actually see godly people, people who wanted to know the presence of God, you know, refraining from the pleasure of food for a time so that they would step into the presence of God and see the power of God poured out in a powerful way. Let me just race through these fairly quickly. In the Old Testament, you know, we see Moses, Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before, you know, he uh, received the Ten Commandments, a pivotal time in world history, just saying, God, this is all about you. King David fasted to humble himself before the Lord, the most powerful man in all the land, said, God, this is not about me, this is about you. You. Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast for Judah when they were coming, when an enemy was coming against them that they just knew they didn't have the power to overcome. He called the whole nation to fast. Joel called the fast to avert the the judgment of God, you know, over God's chosen people. And, and, And in Nineveh, you know, they fasted and prayed to avoid God's judgment coming upon them as a town, as a city. And Esther, Declared a three-day fast prior to risking her life to save her people. Right throughout the Old Testament. That's just a couple, there's a heap more examples of godly people refraining from the pleasure of food for a time to hunger after the presence of God. To believe for the power, the blessing, a breakthrough from God. To come from heaven in the New Testament, Anna fasted regularly in the temple as she prayed for the Messiah to come. The Messiah did come, and Jesus fasted for forty days and forty nights before he began his ministry. And then, one in one of his first ever sermons, he teaches his disciples what to do when they fast. This is what I want you to do. And then when John's disciples came and said, you know, how come You know, we're fasting all the time and your disciples aren't, Jesus says, when I'm gone, they will fast. This wasn't a question. He says, when you fast, this is what I want you to do. And when I'm gone, that's when they're going to fast. And then we see, you know, after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, local church, just like us, a church in Antioch, They are fasting and they are praying and the Holy Spirit says to them, I want you to set aside for me, Saul and Barnabas, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. They hadn't heard that before, that we know of. And the gospel goes throughout the Roman Empire. And then later on, before they actually sent them out, they chose together as a church to fast and pray and laid hands on them and they believed for miraculous blessing and breakthrough through the power of the Holy Spirit. Old Testament, New Testament, godly people refraining from the pleasure of food for a season to enjoy the presence of God and to trust in the power of God to bring blessing and breakthrough and it's very clear in scripture tim's already read it as we uh, came to the communion table this morning that jesus expects his followers to fast until he comes again in heaven in the resurrection when, when all is made new again we won't have to fast but right now it's an important spiritual discipline In fact, when Jesus preaches that first sermon of the Sermon on the Mount that's become so instrumental for followers of Jesus for 2,000 years since, there's three things that he says that are really important. If you do this, there'll be a reward. Firstly, he says, if you give the way I'm calling you to give, there'll be a reward. And as followers of Jesus, we go, yeah, it's important to give. If you're here and you're a mature follower of Jesus, you've worked out already that giving is an important spiritual discipline and there's a reward for giving. Sometimes the reward is seeing the impact, like we've just celebrated this morning, of God doing his ministry around the world. And sometimes the reward is a blessing coming back from God that you know it had nothing to do with you, but God was just providing for you. But there's a reward for giving. Uh, and then the next little section, he says, when you pray and, and you pray in private and, and, you, and you pray and you call out your Father in heaven to bring blessing from heaven to earth, he says, if you pray like that, there'll be a reward. And we kind of get that. We know that. If you're a mature follower of Jesus, you know that, that we need to pray. It's an important discipline and there'll be a reward when we pray. Then there's a third one. He only, there's only three three spiritual disciplines that he actually, you know, slots in to this particular, you know, sermon that he gives that he says, when you do it, there'll be a reward. The third one, the first is giving, the second is praying, the third one is the third one is it's fasting. Says when you fast, do it like this, and there'll be a reward. We kind of get the giving. We get the praying. I wonder if we've just kind of forgotten a little bit about the fasting. But Jesus expects his followers to fast until he comes again. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples celebrating. They were at weddings and parties and they were enjoying food and fellowship and people were noticing. And and John the Baptist's disciples came along and they said, hey, this isn't fair. We're fasting all the time. Your disciples are eating all the time. And it's kind of like, you know, I kind of picture them going, you know, up to Jesus and going, Dad, it's not fair. It's kind of like anyone, you know, the oldest sibling in a family, just put your hand up if you're the oldest of your your brothers and sisters. Yeah, me too. I tell you, it's not fair being the oldest sibling. When I was growing up going to school, I'd have to break my leg and cut my head open in my sleep to get a day off school. If I just broke my leg, Dad would say, she'll be right, just kind of walk like this. But if I did break my leg and cut my head open, I could get a day off school. Once my younger sisters came along, new rules. They'd wake up with a tiny little sniffle somewhere up their left nostril and they had an assignment due that day and they hadn't done it dad can i have a day off sure what do you want me to get you at the shops for lunch they've told that took them 20 years to admit to that story but it's true new rules and this is what's going on here you know for john's disciples the kind of the older disciples have been following john a bit longer and going hey they're not following the rules jesus this isn't fair and as always whatever discipline jesus calls us into it's not about rules It's about relationships and relationships go through different seasons. And he says, right now, the bridegroom is with them. It's time to celebrate. That's the season we're in because it's going to be a long time between drinks. I'm going to go back to my father. It's going to be a long time between drinks. We're going to eat now. We're going to celebrate now. But when I'm gone, they're going to fast until I come again. And then when Jesus is teaching his followers how to fast, he says, don't look somber like the hypocrites do, you know, walking around looking all, you know, haggard. He says, put, wash your face, put some oil on your head and fast in private. And when God sees what you do in private, he will reward you. You see, the Pharisees were fasting a lot. But what they were doing is they were making themselves look hungry and haggard. And so everyone knew they were fasting and people would come up to them in the street and go, well, aren't you a spiritual good boy? They were patting them on the back. And Jesus is saying, that's a reward, but it's the only reward you're going to get. It's just when when you fast. It's just about you and God. It's about worship of God. So he says, don't make yourself look hungry and haggard. Make yourself look good. That's easier said than done for some of us. But, but, you know, get a washer. Wash your face. Put some oil on your head. Oil yourself up. Make yourself look good. And there'll be a reward in heaven. You see, God rewards you when you fast. When Jesus begins his ministry, he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. He knew that there was a power that was released through fasting that he needed for the ministry that he was about to embark on to fulfill his father's purposes. And so when the devil comes along and says, Jesus, you've got the power to turn these rocks into a whole Big Mac meal. You know, give yourself the works. Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the Father's mouth. You see, even the Son, when He walked on earth in human flesh, He knew He needed the joy, the comfort, the strength, and the reward that only His Father's words could bring to fulfill the ministry that He's called to. If Jesus didn't, need to fast to fulfill his ministry he would be a masochist to fast but he knew he needed it and why would we think we don't need to fast we know we need to give we know we need to pray to fulfill the ministry that God's called us to why would we think that we don't need to fast to actually fulfill the father's purposes in our lives and in the church God rewards you when you fast Sometimes the reward is a new intimacy with God. God just draws you into a new place of His pleasure and joy. Sometimes the, the reward is a word from God that, that gives discernment for the future. Something that you've been trying to rack your own brain about and you can't work it out, but God just brings a word. That's the reward. Sometimes the reward is a powerful breakthrough. Power from heaven is just poured out. There's a breakthrough in your family, in your marriage, in your finances, in your business, in a ministry that you've embarked upon. But God just in that moment as we discipline ourselves to hunger after his presence more than any other thing, God pours out power. Sometimes that's the reward. Just as I was praying just this morning, I wasn't planning to say this before this morning, but it just just felt like God was saying to some of us that as we step into this season of prayer and fasting, he's actually going to give us some keys. You see, these keys here, uh, one is the key to my home. I get access to my home and one is the key uh, to this church. Because of my position in my family, I get access to everything that's in my home. Because of my position in this church, I get access to everything that's in this church. And what Jesus has done for us when he died on the cross to forgive our sins and rose from the dead to to bring us into new life with his Father, he says, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You know, what, what what you loose you know on on earth will be loosed in heaven what you loose you know what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven says i'm giving you some keys because i've given you access into the very throne room of god ephesians chapter one says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in christ not something that we've earned but because we've entered into this relationship with christ we've been given keys i just believe if some of us will step into this season of prayer and fasting, you're going to find God pouring out blessing and breakthrough in your life in areas of your life that you've actually spent in worry rather than worship. You've been racking your brain thinking, how can I I possibly work this out? And you've come up with no answers and you've not seen a breakthrough. And I believe some of us, we're going to step into this place of new, just weakness and humility and dependence and hunger before god and god's going to show us the keys to unlock a breakthrough to bring a blessing that we haven't been able to work out for ourselves you see when we fast and pray together or so when we fast and pray in private there's always a reward from god personally but we actually see right through scripture, there's times when we fast and pray together and we actually see the power of God poured out in public. One of those times, Second Chronicles chapter 20, Judah is being attacked by the Moabites and the Ammonites and the, the army coming against Judah is just way too big for them. They can't work it out on their own, they can't win on their own. And so Jehoshaphat, who is actually my favourite name in the whole Bible. There's a bunch of cool names in the Bible. I really wanted to call my son Jehoshaphat. Susan had some more wisdom than that, wouldn't let me. But it's the coolest name in the Bible. He was also the king of Judah. And he was a courageous king. He was a godly king at this time. He had some other little misdemeanors along the way. When he sees this army coming against him, he's just desperate for God. And so he calls a fast for the whole nation. Calls the whole nation, young and old, to fast and praise. There's this in 1 Chronicles 20, um, 2 Chronicles 20. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a, one more time, proclaimed a, for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. He cried out to God and he said, We have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. I love this next sentence. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and their children and their little ones stood there before the Lord in prayer and fasting. The whole nation fasted. They cried out to God. There was an unwinnable battle in front of them. Many of you know the story. God told them to send the worship team out to battle first. And so they got this army coming against them with, with chariots and spears and javelins. And the nation of Judah goes out playing the guitar and the flute. You know, it's kind of not an equal battle. I actually love this story because it would have been one of the days being tone deaf on way up the back. You know, we'd be sending out, you know, Mark and Eads and Scotty, you know, singing and playing their instruments and they'd be dodging the spears and the javelins and I'd be taking it easy up the back. I, I like this battle plan. Then this crazy story, a miracle happens. Blessing of God is poured out and a breakthrough happens. God sets these ambushes against the army and a whole nation is saved because a whole nation came before God in prayer and fasting and said, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Whole nation saved. It's happened before, can happen again. In a little more recent history, 1756, George II, King of England, saw France, an invading army, coming against them and they were terrified. And the King of England calls a fast for the whole nation of England. He calls them to fill the churches for a day and to pray and to fast. Imagine the royal family doing that today. You know, Wills and Kate on the front page of the Woman's Leap Weekly, next to the winter warmer recipes, calling the whole nation to pray and fast. I mean, if Megan said it, a bunch of people might listen. But, you know, the royal family have forgotten the, the power of prayer and Fasting. The scary thing is, I think the church in the West has also forgotten the power of prayer and fasting. Listen to what Wesley says when he records what happened. He says, the first, the fast day was a glorious day such as London has scarce seen since the restoration. Every church in the city was more than full and a solemn seriousness sat on every face. Surely God heareth prayer. And there will be yet a lengthening of our tranquility. Then he added later, Humility was turned into national rejoicing for the threatened invasion by by the French was averted. Incredible. As a nation filled their churches and fasted and prayed. They saw the power of God save their nation the royal family has forgotten about the power of prayer and fasting and i do think the church in australia has forgotten the power of prayer and fasting and god is waking us up god is waking us up our nation needs jesus you know now paul says if the if there is no resurrection then by all means eat drink and be merry there's nothing else And I'd say of all the scriptures in the Bible, it kind of describes the state of our nation at the moment. Eat, drink and be merry. Because there's nothing else. But what is happening across our nation is people young and old are discovering that it's not enough. That food might fill our stomachs, but it doesn't fill the hunger in our souls. And so we have a generation of young people living without hope. Killing themselves every day. We have a generation of old people dying of loneliness. We have suburbs full of people heading to a Christless eternity. And we're sitting back and just watching it happen, scratching our heads, wondering, what can we do? I wonder if we need to, in our season, reply, you know, like the people of Judah under Jehoshaphat's reign and say, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, this nation needs Jesus. We don't need something more to ingest into our bodies, to give us strength, comfort and joy. We actually need someone to come into our lives, someone who who, who, uh, went to a cross to actually reconcile us with God and rose from the dead, defeated the grave and brought us into new life today that lasts for all of eternity. Jesus, the bread of life, You know, he who comes to me will never go hungry again. Jesus, the living water, I want to fill you to overflowing so that you get blessed and the people around you get blessed. Are you hungry for the presence of God? So I tell you, our nation is desperate for Jesus in the past. As nations chose to pray and fast, Blessing was poured out from God. Breakthrough came in a nation. And when a church commits to fast and pray, God brings blessing and breakthrough in the church and the community. You know, when Jesus said, this is important because this might be confusing for some people, when Jesus says, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites just doing it to get seen. He's not saying that we can't fast together. He's not saying that you can't let other people know that you're fasting. He's simply saying that our motive should always be about worship to God and not to try and look spiritual to others. And so when we call the church to fast and pray, there's nothing wrong with others knowing that you're fasting and praying. He just says, don't go out of your way to look hungry and haggard. I don't want to see any hungry and haggard people walking through the doors next week. Put some oil on your face. Make yourself look good. I know it's harder for some of us than others, but have a crack. Churches have fasted and prayed together throughout history in the Bible. Acts chapter 13 says this. A local church in Antioch, a local church just like us, were fasting and praying. It says this, While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... So as they're fasting, they weren't planning for this, it's just the Holy Spirit said in this moment, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then when they'd fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Let me just give you a little bit of context to that passage. Sometimes we read the Bible like one chapter to the next is five minutes apart. In Acts chapter 1, as Jesus' last words to them was, you'll be filled with power from the Holy Spirit and you're to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right, that's Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 13 is actually 18 years later. There's an 18 year gap between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 13. And 18 years later, The gospel hasn't gone beyond the east coast of the Mediterranean. The gospel has gone to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and a couple of isolated examples through persecution and Ethiopian eunuch. You know, the gospel had kind of, you know, inadvertently in our mind, but by God's providence, gone to other places. But there was no intention by the local church by 18 years later, by Acts chapter 13, to actually take the gospel and plant churches beyond Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. The gospel hadn't yet gone to the ends of the earth. But as a local church, just like us, fasted and prayed, they heard the Holy Spirit say, set apart Barnabas and Saul for this ministry and they sent them out. This moment of prayer and fasting sparked a missional movement that would mean Christianity would become the dominant religion in the Roman Empire within 200 years. And none of the, the letters from Paul were written at this point, but half the New Testament would be written... Because Paul, because this local church prayed and they fasted and they sent Paul out to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and it made its way to us. And while he's doing it, he wrote half of the New Testament that is still encouraging and empowering the church in the ends of the earth and even in Australia today. You see, the course of history changed because a local church prayed And fasted. It's happened before. It can happen again. What would happen? What would happen if we got serious about prayer and fasting? About coming before God in a place of absolute weakness and humility and dependence. And saying, God, we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you how hungry are you to see just the blessing of god poured out in our church how hungry are you to see you know breakthrough happen in your family in your marriage, in your business, in your ministry, in your community that you're part part of. How hungry are you to see that happen? Are you actually hungrier for the power and the presence of God than you are for the food that will sustain you? Are you hungry for God? What would happen if we got serious about prayer and fasting as a church? Is there Anyone that would like to find out? Three of you. One of them was my wife. Is there anyone that would like to find out? I really want to encourage you to step in to this season, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Let me get really practical for a minute. There's a, there's a bunch of people who have already come to me and said, I, I just believe God's told me to fast for 21 days. Just, just water and vegetable juice or just do without food for 21 days. And I believe God's going to bless them. There's going to be incredible reward for them. I recognize not everyone can do that. In fact, I can't do that in this season. I'm going to fast one day each week for the first two weeks and then that last week I'm going to fast for a week leading up to the end of this season. And there'll be some of you here today, say, for work reasons, medical reasons, you know, all sorts of different reasons of what's happening in your life. You can't possibly fast for a whole 21 days. Well, I'm not standing here saying that's what you should do if you're really spiritual. What I'm saying is, ask God, how's he calling you to step into this season? For some of you, it might be saying, I'm going to fast lunch for the next three weeks and during that you know 20 or 30 minute lunch break I normally have I'm going to pray I'm just going to give myself to prayer in that season that might be just choosing a day a week to fast and out in the foyer is a board where you can just sign up and just say hey this is my day what we'd like to do across all every campus is to is to cover every day in prayer and fasting. And just maybe you want to say today, that's my day. Just put your email address there. We, we just love to encourage you as you step into that. For all of us, whether, whether you can, maybe you need to fast TV or social media or something you know, other than food in this season. Maybe you need to do a Daniel fast, do without all this kind of food and just eat fruit and vegetables for three weeks. That, that, that's up. That's between you and God. What I'm encouraging you to do is just to step into this season if you're part of this community and say, I'm in and I'm going to pray. We're going to cry out to God together. We've got a prayer booklet, a guide that's just going to just help you to fuel your prayers over a 21-day period. We're going to come together on Tuesday nights in all of our campuses and pray. And I'm believing this Tuesday night, the first prayer meeting of the year, I'm believing there'll be too many people here to fit in the welcome lounge. We'll need to be right here, just praying together. I just encourage you to be here. Just one hour prayer meeting, six o'clock Tuesday night. It's going to be really important times all year, but particularly through this season. And then every Sunday, we're just going to have a time down the front here, just crying out to God together for blessing and for breakthrough. Are you hungry? You're hungry to see God move? You're hungry to see God just pour out blessing and breakthrough. If you are, I want to encourage you to have a go at fasting. Jesus doesn't just encourage you. He actually expects it, but I'm going to encourage you. Have a go. Have a go. See what God does. I've seen it throughout my life. You heard me say before in 1996, Just starting out in ministry, a year into ministry, not seeing anyone get saved, and I was just hungry to see salvations. I fasted and prayed for the first time for three days ever in my life. Just saw a new confidence in the gospel. Changed me. 1999, it was not a fun fast. I actually had a a season of fasting for a week, and it wasn't about confidence. It was about confession. I found myself just confessing sin everywhere I went. But I look back 21 years later and there's some sin that was rife in my life back then. It's just the power of it's completely broken today, 21 years later. 2011, we prayed together as a church. We we prayed that we'd plant our first ever church down at Ormo. didn't know who was going to go, how we were going to do it, but we fasted and we prayed. And God has poured out a blessing more than I could ever have imagined. Five campuses, more people in more places coming to know Jesus. And just last year was a really important season for me, trying to get discernment of the future. What was his call on my life across our state? Quite a, a difficult thing to discern. Went throughout the whole year last year. There was a Tuesday in July I was fasting, and God just gave me this verse from Psalm 78. And it just said, uh, you know, David... With integrity of heart and skillful hands, he led the people. I just remember just writing in my journal, God, I want to be that kind of leader. Wherever you call me to lead, whether it's Gateway, across the state, wherever you want me to do, I want to be a leader like that. Integrity of heart and skillful hands. That afternoon, a colleague of mine at another church had no idea what had gone on in my prayer closet that morning. Just rang me and said, mate, I really reckon you've got to throw your hat in the ring for this job. This is the verse God gave me for you, Psalm 78. David led the people with integrity of heart and skillful hands. I see that in you. I want to encourage you. Have a go. It meant the world to me. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. What would it look like for us to do that as a whole church over this next 21 days? God, we don't know what to do. We desperately need blessing and breakthrough in this nation. Our eyes are on you. Can I encourage you right now, grab a little prayer card you've got on the way in. Just find it wherever you've shoved it. Just grab it out. I know there's a prayer in your heart this morning for blessing and breakthrough. It's already there. Just write it out. Just, take, just discipline yourself right now. There's pens in the pews in front of you. Grab one, steal one off the person next to you. Just write out. You're allowed to steal stuff when you're praying. Just write out. What is that prayer for blessing and breakthrough? Come on, just discipline yourself just as a team get ready to lead us in a final song. It might be a prayer for your family. It might be a prayer for your finances. It might be a prayer for our nation. It might be a prayer for your workplace. It might be a prayer for your family. It might be a prayer for your marriage. It might be a prayer for a group of people in our community. It might be a prayer for a suburb. Come on, what is it you just say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast and fast till I see it happen. Come on, just take 30 more seconds, just write it down. It doesn't need to be long. What's God put on your heart? Just get a, a prayer that's in your heart, into your hand. Get a prayer that's in your heart, into your hand. When you're ready, just uh, just stand as I pray. When you're ready to stand, just uh, just jump to your feet. Let me, let me pray for us. God, this morning, God, would you stir up hunger in our hearts for your presence? God, would you stir up faith? God, stir up faith in our hearts that you're a God who still responds to a desperate and dependent people. You're a God who still calls his people to give and to pray and to fast. You're a God who still moves power from heaven to earth when your people humble yourself themselves and pray and seek your face. And God, would you put a hunger in our hearts to seek your face? God, for a new intimacy with you, to be blessed with a new walk with you, to hear words from you. God, would you give us faith for a powerful breakthrough? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've said, this space is going to be important for us, the end of each service for the next few weeks. I just want to encourage you right now, the team's going to come and start leading us in a final song, which just says, God, you've done it before, you can do it again. You're faithful throughout the generations. If you've got a prayer that God's put in your heart, maybe you've got it into your hand, even if you haven't, but there's a prayer. There's a prayer in your heart for blessing and breakthrough and it's a prayer that God's put in your heart to pray over these next 21 days. Come on, just come down the front right now as the team start to sing and uh, we're all going to pray together down here in a moment. This isn't going to be so much about receiving prayer but it's all praying together as a community. Just come when you're ready.